<laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, I was very, I was very fortunate to to have uh, godly grandparents. I never knew my dad's family. Uh, my dad's father. Um, I get, he was they were dead before I was born. So, uh, but my my mother's father and uh, grandmother and um, my and my dad and you know going back they were all godly people you know they all were godly christians and um, so uh, i grew up in that type of an environment my my grandmother uh i probably said this but my grandmother she was a preacher <laughs> a fill-in preacher and uh, she was one of those fiery fill-in preachers <laughs> so i always heard the stories of you didn't want to be doing anything wrong when you sat in Mary Stockdale's service because you were going to hell and you were going to be there quickly. <laughs> you know, and she's going to send you there. <laughs> Remember, my uncles would always say, their mom, my grandmother, uh, would beat them every Saturday whether they needed it or not, you know. And, well, you know, she was very strict, you know, but uh, my uncles, they needed it. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of them, I don't know how they ever survived. But anyhow, you know, they did. And, uh, but growing up and creating a culture, creating a sense of what it means to be a, a, a father, we, of course, we look at our Heavenly Father and see what God is to us. And then we are reflective of that because our earthly fathers are, can be very good or... <laughs> very bad but what it ends up being is we have we have a responsibility in our own lives to live out our life before our heavenly father and so as we uh, look at and appreciate what our heavenly father is and who he is and his his characteristics that we begin to reflect those in our in our lives and reflect those in our relationships with others so the the scripture that i have today is in genesis 17:1 it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And the title of my message is, it's, it's referring to God, walk with me. <laughs> you know, God is saying to us, walk with me. And uh, so as we, we think about that, you know, last week we said that God is with me. And uh, this, this week is God is saying to us, walk with me. So we have the assurance of what God is giving to us, and he's telling us that we have a purpose, and the purpose is that we are to walk with him, and he wants that to happen. Now, sometimes, sometimes we think of ourselves as, you know, uh, falling short, you know, being somebody, you know, God being displeased with us, and God wanting, you know, to, he's punishing and, pu you know, pushing or whatever, and in reality, God is God is concerned about our future. God is concerned about our present. He forgives our past and he let, helps us to let go of the past. And in that, there is no shame. See, the shame of what happens in life is not, God doesn't bring it up. Shame-based things are things that, you know, I may have done things wrong. And rather than saying that uh, I've done something wrong, the shame-based uh, thinking says, I am no good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm no good. So shame not only, it takes things that we've done wrong 
and then flips it into making us no good because we did something wrong. And if we're no good, then we're, then we're uh, rejected by God and rejected by humankind and we're a failure at whatever we do because inside of us is this gnawing sense that we're just no good. Uh, they even write songs about it. Baby, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. <laughs> I've said that before, so I'm not going to sing it for you. But, uh, but we, we look at that, and our life isn't about shame. Our life is about building and about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might, meaning that we have a, we can't do this on our own. We need help, and the help that we need is provided to us by God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us to encourage us, to give us direction and, and knowledge and, and ability to, to bring out the best in us and to bring out the, the best that we can be. So it isn't, it isn't our failures that keep us back. It's our lack of expectation. <laughs> it isn't our failures that hold us back. It's our lack of expectation. We don't expect things to get better. We don't expect ourselves to improve. We don't expect things positive to happen. We, we think, well, you know, it's, uh, it's no good, it's no good, it's no good. You know, all my life can be is no good. That's the expectation. Well, we need to get our expectation out, and we need to get it out there in front of us, and we need to talk about it. You see, if we expect things to fail, we're always talking about that. You know, well, last week this failed and that failed and I planted, I planted a, a, a crop of failure and it grew, <laughs> it grew and grew. No, I planted expectation. You know, if now in the spring, we're kind of getting through spring, we, you know, here anyhow, <laughs> think we're getting to spring. It may be summer here in a couple of days, but we're almost into spring. Uh, I like to look at the cornfields, <laughs> That's always my, my big thing. And, of course, hay fields. I was driving to church this morning and passed the hay field, and I was silent saying, God, look at that. Isn't that pretty? You know, <laughs> they got it all cut in, in, the, in the rows, and they'll be coming along with a baler or a forage harvester and chopping it up and blowing it in. And I can just imagine being covered with hayseed and itchy, you know, <laughs> you know, throwing bales of hay and putting them over your head and pushing them up and... Oh, I was thinking, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I can't even lift them anymore. You know, used to, when we were kids, we would uh, see how high we could throw the bales. And we'd have it six, seven, as high as you could get the wagon without it upsetting. And we'd be throwing bales on top. And at the end of the day, we'd want to see who could throw a bale over the wagon. You know, now I can't even find the wagon. <laughs> One other story, we had this... Uh, I know, I'll get to my sermon. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is part of it. Uh, God brings these thoughts to me. You know, it's his fault. You don't like the sermons, tell God. You know? You know, you know if, if, if we don't believe God can talk to somebody, then why do we tell them they can get any better? <laughs> God can talk to anybody. It doesn't matter how bad they are, especially a preacher. Yeah, <laughs> He's absent-minded anyhow. But... Uh, we had this farmer, he was our neighbor, and uh, he was from the old country, and I don't know what country that was, and uh, he had this old tractor with the steel-spoked wheels. Have you ever seen those, the steel spikes on them, and, you know, he'd drive it around, and, and he used to get, um, he used to supply himself 
very well with alcoholic beverages before he would go out on the tractor, you know, because he needed to hydrate himself to go out there. So anyhow, he had this one field that was very, very steep, and we would bale the hay for him, and, and we would get two-thirds, and he'd get a third, and he'd go out there and, and load up his wagon. So he goes out there, and he's bouncing. This thing is pretty bouncy. He's bouncing around, and the pin popped out of the wagon, and the wagon went down the hill. But he's still bouncing up the hill, you know. He gets to the top, turns the tractor around, locks it, gets off the tractor, picks up the bale of hay, and he goes to throw, and there's no wagon there. <laughs> Wagon's gone. He's, he's wondering, what happened to the wagon? <laughs> he didn't even know it wasn't there. <laughs> so sometimes we are kind of like that, you know. That we're kind of absent-minded, and we get so caught up in what we're doing, we miss what we're doing. So, the illustration I have is the piano. Okay, we have a piano. Well, a piano is made with a specific purpose, to produce music. We have uh, uh, um, the wooden, you know, the old piano, upright piano in the back. We have the electronic piano and an electronic, I don't know what this is, but it's an electronic thing. It's clavinova, and uh, it's a, considered an instrument that produces Lots of things, and music is one of them. Uh, piano music is one of them. So, uh, I happen to know that, from a good source, that people have stood on top of their pianos to attach things to the wall. <laughs> uh, I happen to know that uh, sometimes people use their piano as a family place for all the albums. And some of us even put angels all over them on Christmas. <laughs> and you see... There is an intelligent design created for a piano, and the manufacturer did not announce that this is a good piano, and it has at least 19 different uses. <laughs> That's not why, you know, if you go to the piano store to buy a piano, they're not going to tell you, buy this, and you can do 20 different things with it. People buy a piano to play music. Well, the designer had only one thought in mind. This piano will have purpose, this piano will have potential, and it will sound forth beautiful music. But he doesn't, they don't sell it as having 19 or 101 different uses for a piano. Well, God was saying to Abraham, you have some other ideas about your design and your purpose for life. But God, in verse, chapter 17, verse 1, I am Almighty God, walk with me and be blameless. God's plan and God's purpose for Abraham was that he was to, be, he was to walk with God. Now, like each of us, we have a plan. God has a plan for our lives, that we are to walk with him and be blameless. Now, we do many other things, you know, we drive cars and put up tents and, you know, you know we, we do many different things. And there's a thousand and one reasons for a man to be married to a woman so she can give him a thousand and two things to do. There was no amen at that. So um, we find that there are a lot of things on a to-do list. <laughs> um, so, but our life is more than what we do. And you see, and this is where shame 
comes in and blame and um, manipulation and failure. You see, if you start putting those three, those things together, we start trying to overload the don't do anything mentality because you're never good enough and what you do won't work and you should have, would have, could have done it right if you'd have just done it the way I told you. <laughs> so if, if we look at this and our life is, is, is in that mentality, and you see, it doesn't have to be that someone is teaching us that. It can be just the record player that we have in our own mind that we've come up with over the years, and we've come up with this idea of shame and blame and everything else. So with our, with our, with our purpose being to walk with God, okay, God is our Heavenly Father. If our purpose is to walk with God, what does God want with us? It says here to, um, to um, Abraham to walk before him and be blameless. And blameless is that we fulfill the purpose for which we were designed. <laughs> we were designed to walk with God. Now, that means in, in school. <laughs> that means out of school. That means at work. That means at home. That means at, in the evening, in the nighttime, in the morning. We are designed to walk with God. And being blameless is not that we've, done nothing, we've never done anything wrong. The person who's never done anything wrong is the person who never did anything, and that's wrong. So we, we are to look at our life and, and take on the aspect of living. <laughs> and as we are going through life, we are learning. And as we are going through life and learning, God is preparing us for the next events. Now, we have this, um, this mentality that... If we've got problems, then uh, there's something wrong with us. Something went wrong. Well, it isn't that something went wrong. It may be that something has gone right. You see, and, and I, I, I go back over this all the time, is David and Goliath. Goliath was a very big problem. But without Goliath, David would have never come to national prominence. He was a shepherd boy overlooked by his father and his brothers and everyone except the prophet who anointed him, but they still didn't think he could be king. But Goliath was the, was the obstacle that took David from being an obscure shepherd boy to being a national hero. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the promotion. The bigger the problem, the bigger the, the goal, the, bigger the, the greater the gain. You see, so it isn't about how big of a problem we have. It's about how we're going to face the problem, how we're going to deal with the problem, and how God is going to give us the wisdom, the understanding, the encouragement, and the technique <laughs> to overcome. And it's not going to be the way it always was. You know, everybody else has advice and opinions and everything. David, he had, you know, Saul tried to give him his armor, didn't fit. Um, well, the other, you know, but David took the slingshot and his five stones and went down and conquered Goliath. He took the skills that he had and he used them. And you see, when God uses the skills that we have to face and deal with our obstacles, you see, then we know that it's God doing this, not me. Because David had used the slingshot on lion and the bear and 
he'd use a slingshot practicing, you know, uh, you know, practicing every day. You know, when you're sitting out there watching sheep, you can watch grass grow or you can practice your slingshot. But so he was doing, he was practicing. So the very things that we practice, he used in a, in a way that defeated the, the, the armies, uh, uh, the, the Philistine army. And in our life, Jesus, he calls us to walk with him. And God calls us to walk with him. And there's, if there's nothing lacking, okay, nothing lacking in us that we can, can't do what's in front of us. What we do need is God's inspiration, God's perspective, God's anointing upon what's inside of us to make the difference, to make the jump, you know, to make the step up from what happened. We, this is the same old thing it's always been and it'll never be. No, we've, we've come through this and we're going to keep on going. We're going to step up. We're going to have the strength to step up, to step ahead, to keep going forward. It isn't the failures of yesterday that are going to cripple us. It's the lack of dream for tomorrow. <laughs> you see, we, we must never stop living our dream. <laughs> what you doing today? I'm just living the dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, we use that as a joke. <laughs> This isn't where I want to be. This isn't no. But you see, where are our dreams taking us? Where are, you see, God is the author of our, and the finisher of our faith, meaning God begins our faith and God will finish our faith. What he wants to instill in us, if we will be open, God will instill that into our life that we can believe. And you see, whenever we believe, we can take that which is nothing and, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five flat pancakes and two sardines. <laughs> when God takes that little bit and touches it, it fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So look at our life and what is it that we possess. It isn't that we don't have the right things. We don't have the right tools. We have everything that is necessary to accomplish the purpose for which God has called us, and it's in our hands today. When uh, God spoke to Moses, he said, Moses, what's that in your hand? Oh, it's a stick. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's just a rod. Well, I'll throw it down. Throw it down, it became a snake. Whoa, <laughs> picked it up by the tail, it was a stick, stick again. Hold that stick out over the ocean, not over the Red Sea. See what happens parts. Take that stick and strike a rock. What happens? Water comes out. You see, it was the ordinary things that God used to do the extraordinary. And the other person I was really thinking of speaking on this morning was Elijah. And Elijah was this, this guy. Uh, he was a prophet in Israel. And he was a prophet for God. But there was this, uh, there was this queen Anybody know who this queen was? It was Jezzy. <laughs> oh, Queen Jezzy. <laughs> Jezebel. And, yeah, Jezebel. And so Jezebel was, what was going on was, there was, she brought in her, the, these foreign gods, the, called the, the God of Baal. 
And um, even archaeologists have found these places of, uh, that were dedicated to these gods, Moloch and Baal and those in, that, in the eastern part, you know, in, in Israel. And Baal was a, a god of, of uh, Jezebel. You know, she had 450, no, yeah, 450 priests to, uh, to the prophet Baal, and she had 400 priests to the, excuse me, she had 450 priests or prophets to, the, to Baal and 400 to the god Asher. So, um, and, and, and Baal was a god, excuse me. So anyhow, there is this big division going on in the, in the country. And she has killed or forced to go in hiding everyone who believed in the god of Israel, the god Jehovah. Well, Elijah was this guy... He was not going to be shut up. I mean, he was, he was one of these prophets that, you know, because of, the, um, because of the sinfulness, he said, okay, he goes to king and says, king, no more rain until you repent. So <laughs> it was like three years later <laughs> that there's still no rain, and they have this, and, and um, Elijah sends word to the king and says, okay, king, I want you and your wife to bring your 450 prophets to Mount, to Mount, Mount, I forgot. I'll think of it in a minute. And uh, they were going to have this um, send-off? No, they were going to have this um, contest. And they will have this contest about whoever is God will be the God who answers by fire. So they brought two oxen, and the prophets of Baal, they got to go first. There's more of them, so they set up their altar, did their, their uh, wood and their bullock on, uh, on the altar, and they're crying and cutting themselves. This, they, they were very much into the cutting of themselves, and they were crying unto God. And, of course, Elijah was very respectful. He was very much a... Um, What's it called whenever you want to always be right and you when you want to say the right things the right way? Um, boy, I can't remember. All these things just kind of left me. No, no, like uh, in, in society or the you know in a presidential campaign, they have to say the right things the right way. Politically correct. That's it. So Elijah, wanting to be politically correct, <laughs> is calling the the prophets of Baal. I think your God's sleeping, you know? <laughs> and you know what? Maybe your God's on vacation. You need to, you need to scream louder. Oh, you know, he's, he's out of the office. <laughs> he can't hear you. So all morning long, the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves. They're covered in blood. They're stomping on the altar. They're boohooing and crying and pulling, trying to get everything to go right to, to make the, the fire come down on the, on the, on the stones and consume, the, didn't, nothing happened. So Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. <laughs> what he does then is he gets 12 stones, rebuilds that altar, one for each of the tribes of Israel, and then he cuts the wood and puts it on the altar. He cuts up the sacrifice, the, the bull, puts it on the altar. Then he digs a moat around the altar. And I've been to this Mount Carmel. I've been to Mount Carmel <laughs> in one of my uh, visits to Israel. And Mount Carmel, there's this like 
drop-off from Mount Carmel down to the creek. You know, they call it the river here. But down to the creek, and, and it's like 300 yards, 400 yards. I mean, it's, it's a good drop-off. And uh, you can possibly walk down it, you know. Well, Elijah says, we're not ready yet. Go fill up all these water containers, bring them up and dump them on the altar. He did it three times. Dumped water on the altar. And then he challenged the people to this. He says, God, let God be God. Okay? And this is where I think we need to be in our own lives. God, you are God. And I'm not afraid to say, move in my life. I need you to move in my life. I need you. I need. I desire. I want. Those are not bad words. They, that I, I, I long for you to help me do the right thing in this situation. Help me. So God, you be God in my life and give me direction. So what happened with the Elijah is that he prays and he tells the people, okay, all the people are, so they got 450 prophets of Baal there, and then they got all this big scene going on that, you know, the thousands of people from Israel had come to watch the uh, the the uh, performance here. And when Elijah se- steps up and says, okay, God, remember, God who answers by fire is the God who is correct. He calls on God. God sends fire down. And the fire consumes the sacrifice, consumes the stones, consumes the water. Everything is consumed. <laughs> so it was like, okay, we think, the, we think that it's the God of, uh, of Elijah is the God that we're going to serve. When Elijah rounded up the 450 prophets, took them down over the mountain, had them all killed. Now we'd say, well, how could he do that? Well, if you cut yourself all morning, <laughs> the blood loss and all this other stuff, they were, they were easy targets. And it, what the whole idea was, they were against God. And they would not change their opinion or whatever. And so Jezebel... <laughs> We know she ends up being dead later. But they refuse to, they refuse to change their mind. They refuse to, to admit that the, God is the God. And, and Jezebel, when Jezebel hears about what Elijah has done, there is the fire comes from heaven and consumes everything, and there's 450 of her prophets killed. What do you think she's going to look at? The God of, that answered by fire? Her prophets didn't have anything to answer by fire. She didn't see the God, the, the God who answered by fire. My 450 prophets are dead. Elijah, if you're not dead by tomorrow this time, I'll kill myself. <laughs> okay? And Elijah being somewhat like you and I, he takes off running. He goes and he hides. It becomes almost depressed. I'm the only one left. I've done all these mighty things, and I'm the only one left. And sometimes we're like that in our life. I'm the only one left. (laughs) What's the use of doing this? You know, I've tried, and it didn't work. What's the use of believing? I did this, and I did that. Oh, woe is me. You know, get out your expector. Your expector is that you're expecting God to do something. Now... And I'll close with this, with Elijah. 
Elijah is hiding. He goes into the cave. And the voice of God, you know, the God says to Elijah that he's going to speak to him. Well, there is the, the wind. <laughs> the wind comes, and, but God's not in the wind. The earthquake comes. <laughs> it shakes everything. God's not in the earthquake. And what happens is there is this still small voice. And Elijah walks out of the cave, and that's how God is going to speak to him, through the still small voice. And, and in our lives, sometimes we pray and we think there should be an earthquake. We think there should be lightning bolts. We think there should be, you know, rocks split in half and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes, most of the times, 99% of the times, it's that still small voice that speaks in our heart, our, our conscience. It says, this is the way. Do this. Walk this way. Be at peace. Be forgiven. Recognize that I love you. See, this is the Father's words. Our Heavenly Father's words to our life. That speak of healing, of restoration. He's saying to us, walk with me. <laughs> He's saying to us, walk with me. And find the peace that, that you find only in walking with me. Be fair. Be generous, be forgiving, be loving, be, need, be needy <laughs> in that you don't walk this life alone. You walk it with someone. And that in that place of need, in that place of praise, in that place of appreciation, in that place of forgiving and loving and being fair and being kind, that's the place our Heavenly Father is with us when he says to us, walk with me. <laughs> That's our Heavenly Father. He's saying, walk with me. And this is where we find ourselves. Let us be reflective of our Heavenly Father. Let us allow him to speak to us in that still small voice. Let his, his words of kindness and appreciation and thanksgiving be part of who we are because where we are at we're just beginning. We're, part of, we're on a journey, and we've got little things, five loaves and two fish. <laughs> we've got a stick. We've got, something, once got, we've got a sling. And what God is saying is, I can use that. <laughs> so we look at ourselves, and we look, what, well, I got this. I got... God will use that. And God will bless it and make it bountiful <laughs> in its effect upon our lives and the lives of others. So that's my Father's Day. Let us pay attention to our Heavenly Father and be reflective of Him. And as we are reflective of His character and His life, we'll find ourselves fulfilling what God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you speak to us, Lord, in that still small voice which reflects your word, reflects, O oh God, your guidance. And that, God, you call us to walk with you. Not by guilt or manipulation or by shame, but, God, you call us to walk with you as a complete person, completely forgiven, completely whole. Help us, Lord, in our minds and our thoughts and our actions 
to be your child. Walk with me, we pray. Amen. Amen. You want to run down and bring the kids up, the ones downstairs?